hello, hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Analytics Association, usually on KCLU 88.1 FM in podcast format. We are bringing it to you. Jack McGrath alongside Adam Rosen. Got a good amount to talk about today. We're talking about the Jordan documentary, talking about the MLB restart proposal, getting that game lead back in play, getting baseball back. We'll also be talking about NFL award predictions. We have some odds that we're going to talk about, betting odds a little bit I'm going to bring into the conversation. We're going to talk about who we think is going to win those awards. We have some interesting predictions here. And then lastly, this is something Adam wanted to do. I think it's a cool little segment we're going to do, and I encourage you to do it with your own name too. We're taking the best players from the NFL, NBA, and MLB of all time that have the same first name starting letter. So since my name is Jack, I will be picking players with a J, and we're going to choose the best teams with the same first letters of our names with them, and we're going to be talking a little bit about who has the better team, me or Adam, what's better, the J's or the A's, and then I think, Adam, you said you're going to sim some of these games, and Adam's pointing to himself, it's me, I think it might be the J's, no, the J's are pretty good. It's definitely not me, it's definitely <laughs> not me, I, I, my, my, mine's pretty rough. All right, to like so we're going to get into that, let's start out. Michael Jordan, The Last Dance documentary last night. That concluded with episodes 9 and 10 on ESPN. That was a fantastic documentary. Very well produced. Yeah. A lot of interesting things. The thing that caught my eye was the food poisoning story. What we have referred to as the flu game was a food poisoning. At least that's what was implied based on the pizza. And that was just interesting. That was the type of behind-the-scenes things that – that I thought we were going to see in the documentary that we did see in the documentary. I found that extremely interesting, that entire story. Yeah. I, so for me, I didn't get to, I didn't know if I was going to be able to watch it last night. I had a fun time last night. Uh, so as we're like, my brother's graduation party was last night. We were going to do it on, um, on zoom with everyone in the family. And then I go downstairs to get some, his like a thing for him. Little do I know the basement's flooded, so I didn't actually watch the episode until like one in the morning. So like I kind of remember some of the stuff, but like it was tired. I was so tired. I mean, <laughs> if you're in the Chicago area, I'd be shocked if your house didn't get a little bit. It was pouring rain. It was a rainy tired. day last night. Yeah, Me and Adam I got, both from the Chicago area, the suburbs. It was yeah. raining. It was pouring. My entire backyard completely flooded. I was saying I should yep. go fishing in my backyard, even though there's no pond connected to it, just because I mean, there's so much right standing water. My room, my room got like an inch or two of water, maybe an inch and a half. Everything. It was brutal. I mean, we spent like six hours cleaning it up. It was not fun. But I saved my autographed Gale Sayers football card, so I'm happy. There and I go. have a room to sleep <laughs> right now. So, but back to the documentary. I, I thought it was, even though I had to watch it really late, I, I enjoyed it, of course. I, I was watching and I was like, the trivia question. I liked the little trivia questions in between. And I remember the last the trivia, trivia questions question. were so fast. They would come know, in I and like they'd that. tell I you the answer would, two seconds later. I thought it would. I thought they should have done it like the intro, like the oh, going to the commercial trivia mm-hmm. and then going back to the commercial. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That, that was my thing with them. I, I was like, all right, eventually I could get these trivia questions. But right away, thinking that quickly off the top of my head, I just could not do it with those trivia. Got, my dad got I a feel I wasn't able to I got to the do. Patrick Ewing one, and then the Warriors one, about the 2016-17 Warriors being the most winning, other most winning, one of the other most winning. I got a couple of those, but some of them were too – they were too fast. But <laughs> I, I loved Some it of those all. were I mean, some thinkers. You had to think about one or two of them just 
to sort out your thoughts on, on on the trivia questions, and they were like bang, 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 really it quick. Was hard to figure it out. My favorite was Patch the Patch Ewing one. That was last night. That was like I got it instantly. But I, I enjoyed it. It was a great thought. I I really think it. Obviously, we need everyone needed something right now, and this was the perfect time. We were talking with friends and I last night. What what other athlete or just team or anything would be a perfect documentary right now? Another ten part documentary. I think most people were talking. A lot of people were saying, "Oh, the tw- that Yankees dynasty." I don't think so. I don't think that Yankees dynasty had as many care had as much characters or much attention that the '90s Bulls did. The '90s Bulls were like a media, like an which Yankees dynasty are you talking about? Are you talking the, the about twenty the years twenties basically? Yeah. Like that wasn't, Wait, which ones? Which ones? Sorry. The Jeter. 20 years with Jeter and all. Gotcha. I don't yep. think that team has as much substance compared to the Bulls, which were a phenomenon worldwide. The Yankees were a phenomenon, but not nearly as much. <clears throat> I think the best answer to that question, if you had another 10-part doc, it would definitely be Tiger Woods. I would agree with that, especially Absolutely. with the comeback story. It would be Tiger. Another one I'd be interested in is, is Barry Bonds. I don't know if that would ever be agreed. Yeah, upon to of, do so, especially after that. the steroid scandal, because that's what I'd want to hear about. I don't think that would be talked about. I, think, I, think, Barry I don't think that would be – I think at all the steroid – just the entire steroid era. Yeah. Which we'll see a little bit of with 19 – the home run race in four week, in a few weeks, which they're going to talk about. I am super excited for the Lance Armstrong one. I think that's going to be amazing. That 30 – those two – those two – at two part 30 to 30, I think that's going to be phenomenal. What and about the Ken Bruce, Griffey Jr.? Another player that played in that steroid era that wasn't nobody Link suspects him of doing steroids. He was not late. The Mariner, well, the John Boyce and Alex Rubenstein on uh, SB Nation, just I believe it was SB Nation on YouTube had a six-part thing on the Mariners, and it's really interesting. You, should, I definitely recommend anyone, everyone, check that out. It's a six-part docu series. It's phenomenal. But interesting, lots of great athletes you could talk about with that. Yep. The, going back to the poison story, though, in the flu game. Yeah, that was crazy. I was thinking, what if you're watching that documentary? You're a high school kid, teenage kid, who thought, ha-ha, I should poison, food poison Michael Jordan. And you're watching that documentary 20 years later, and you were the one that poisoned Michael Jordan for the food poisoning game. And you're just sitting there back in, back in wherever you're watching it thinking, man, I was the one that poisoned Michael Jordan, which is not a good thing to do. But yeah, you it, lost it, the game. It would be too, memorable so. if you did it, <laughs> especially when you know you lost. That's you lost the game and the series too. Yep, exactly. Don't. It'd be piss, quite the story to tell. I think the biggest takeaway from this is don't piss Michael Jordan off. Yes, agreed. And, and his agreed. Meme, the memes, the 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 iPad, so funny. Yeah, dude, every iPad meme was hilarious. <laughs> I think I counted 10 of them. I saw some pictures online that that counted 10 possible memeable pictures from Michael Jordan's documentary. Not even just the iPad ones, but in general, all of them. 10 memeable pictures. Yeah. I like. I also like the wholesome part about oh, they're talking about Gus. That's really cool that he befriended a security guard. That's really awesome mm-hmm. to hear. All right, moving on from the last dance. Those are some past sports. Let's talk about some future sports. MLB restart proposal. This this has been debated a lot recently. We saw Blake Snell, for example, online talking about it. Bryce Harper has had his thoughts on it. Sean Doolittle has had his Blake thoughts Snell. on it. 
I lots like of MLB now. players jumping in the conversation because of the revenue, proposed revenue split and how the players' salaries are going to be dished out to them. That's the biggest topic that people are getting hung up on right now. It seems like the way it's laid out right now, I don't think it really has a chance of passing. That's just a feeling I'm getting. I have no no basis on that other than what we've seen so far on social media and the players' outward reactions, public reactions to it. Because right now they're proposing a 50-50 revenue split. The owners are proposing that. That was in the original proposal. And that's that, that would lead to a salary cap in the future. That's what every other league does, and they have a salary cap. That wouldn't necessarily do a salary cap in the future, but that would be something that could possibly start the move towards a salary cap. Now, obviously, Major League Baseball players don't want that. They because the second you put a salary cap on it, the second they start, that's the second they start making less money. They're, they're the highest amount of money they can make goes significantly down with the salary cap. So that's been the biggest debate right now is that financial. I have a lot side. of thoughts on this one. Go ahead, Adam. But my personal thing is like what Blake Snell, I guess what he said kind of makes sense, but what he, the way he explained it was really terrible. But my thing is they already, with Trevor Bowers, probably been one of my favorite voices throughout this. He, they already agreed in March. They already agreed to a to prorated salary. They already agreed to like half their salary. I don't. And then in that agreement, specifically nowhere was it stated that they would reduce pay if fans weren't present. And the owners are trying to say that because it didn't say they wouldn't say that. There it was. They're trying to loosely interpret what the agreement said. The owners are trying to imply that they would. I think the owners are trying to imply that they didn't expect to not play with fans, which is bogus because we all knew that when baseball returns it wasn't going to have fans i just don't get it i i think the owners are trying to villainize the players again i i think people want to make the players be the bad guys because they think they're the ones making a lot of money they do make a lot of money but the owners make billion are billion a lot of the owners are billionaires and even way more richer than the players i think the players are being looked out looked as villains which is ridiculous they're the ones they are the product those owners would be nothing, wouldn't have – well, I mean, obviously some of the owners are owner, are billionaires from their own craft, but none of them would be – they would be nothing in baseball without these players. And the fact that they're trying to make the players look awful is just ups, disappoints me. Yeah, this is the players' job. It's their salaries. It's how they're going to be paid. It's how they're supposed to support their families. Now, I understand they're already making a lot of money, but if anybody else – else's salary was just going to get cut down like that or negotiated differently than was originally proposed anybody in any business would be upset with how that's going down the thing for me is the bottom lines of a lot of these teams you say the owners are billionaires their their bottom lines are going to go down rob manfred said that about 40 percent of the revenue that major league baseball makes is from fans uh, going to games and concessions and ticket prices and all those extraneous things that they make money from at the ballpark, which they aren't going to be making money from because there's going to be no fans at the stadium for at least a good portion of the season from what we're expecting. So while, while it appears that you're saying the billionaire owners could be a little bit greedy, I think there's, there's got to be negotiation on both sides. Now, obviously, the players should not be giving up 
should not agree to that. The 50-50 revenue split is what started the strike in 1994 for during the 1994-95 season. That 50-50 revenue split, it, that, that proposal moving towards that is what started the strike because the baseball players don't want a salary cap. Jalen Rose was speaking on this a little while ago, and he said, if you're the MLB Players Union, you have made, got to, gotten to a point where you're the only major four-sport league in the United States without a salary cap. Do not give that up right now. And that's where the players have to be sitting. The owners can't really move towards the salary cap because the players are never going to agree to that. There, there's going to have to be MLB, negotiation on both the, sides in the financial the, aspect. The MLB prides itself without a salary cap, and I love it yep. for it. Yep. And I don't think a salary cap is feasible. I mean, last time they tried to do that, they lost a season out of it, basically. And who knows? That could happen. I don't think it will because I think they're going to agree on something that's going to not have a salary cap. I think the owners are somehow going to come to their senses because who knows. But the players already agreed to a reduced salary, already agreed to half their salary, and they should not have to take less. Then if they're paying half of the – they should take – they should be paying half of their salary, which they agreed to. They should not have to take less because the owners aren't making as much. The owners are billionaires. They should be able to afford it. I don't care. Now, the 50-50 revenue split doesn't guarantee a salary cap, but the next logical step would be a salary cap. So, Adam, me and you devised our own little proposals for how we would restart the MLB season, and this is including all the details of what we would do. Now, MLB currently in their proposal has a 14-team playoff, teams playing each other in within their divisions, and then across interleague same division so the nl central would play against the al central nl west would play against the al west for their interleague play and vice versa now a big concern still is safety for ballpark workers and for the players in general adam what is your proposal to sort of even this out make it a little bit safer maybe if if you're able to And, and what are your ideas because we we devise our own little proposals here what we would do if we were in the commissioner's seat proposing a restart plan what's your plan adam 82 games obviously that's guaranteed that's given that's not going to happen the no no dh that gives another that puts another batter in the field so that gives one more person a chance another person out there no three batter minimum i you uh the prorated salaries that's already agreed on Nationally televised a lot of ga- as more games because more national TV revenue, and I'm sure they can afford that. I, I would know for sure. No lock, no local blackouts on MLB.tv. So, like, if you have MLB at bat premium, there shouldn't be local blackouts because that means more people can get the can pay for it, and more games are going to be viewed. There's no locker room interviews, obviously. All people, everyone has to wear a mask around the to and around the ballpark. The only people not wearing a mask are players on the field. Everyone else got to wear a mask at coaches, umps, all of it. And then you can only – testing for all parties involved. Anyone involved with travel has to get testing if possible. All right. I think that's a good proposal right there. It, it seems to hit on a lot of the issues. Here's what I think about it. The three-pattern minimum, that's going to stay either way. I don't think that's leaving as much as we might want it to, Adam. As me and you, both traditionalists, we think this takes a lot of strategy out of the game, the three-pattern minimum. I don't think that's going to go away with this new proposal, and I, I think that's an impossible thing to want at this point and where we're at. Maybe after this season, but I don't think right now that, that's something that's going away anytime soon. I would prefer no DH, 
But if that's what's got to happen to get baseball started again, just put in the proposal and let it happen. I don't want it. I don't like the the all-around universal DH. Now keep the DH in the AL. That's where it should stay. And no DH in the NL. We've talked about this before. I'm a traditionalist. You're a traditionalist. But at the same point, whatever we can do to get baseball started, if that has to include a DH, it includes a DH. Oh, well. Let's keep. Let's put the universal DH in. I guess I'm willing to compromise there. I think you, you don't even need to realign the divisions. Um, the, there was a proposal earlier or, or talk earlier of realigning the divisions based on distance. I was thinking this might be a good proposal earlier. Realistically, I don't see it how it helps that much. You're looking at travel distance yeah. in general. The, the goal should be to visit as few places as possible when playing just so you're containing your contact points that you could possibly contract the virus. Right. So the, 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 the distance itself doesn't make a difference. And the current proposal uh, keeps that in mind with the, with keeping the divisions as they are. I think that's a great idea. Keep the divisions as they are. I would even eliminate the interleague one. I don't think that's necessary. At I, would, this hmm. I would scratch the interleague play. I would keep play within the divisions. Play. You play the four other teams in your division and you go from there. So you play the four other teams in the division. If somebody on a team in your division contracts the virus, if you're only playing the four other teams in your division, it's not going to spread outside of your division and then only the people in within that division. If somebody in the NL Central, if somebody on the Cardinals contracts the coronavirus, it contracts COVID-19, then that would only – I want only the other players in that division exposed – to the virus. I don't want that a league-wide thing because the other thing in the talks is somebody's probably going to contract it at, at some point. Somebody's going to contract the virus at some point, right? And the league cannot shut down because of that. Now, if somebody in one division contracts it, you can risk holding down one division for 14 days while all the other divisions continue play if that one division is not in contact with any of the other divisions in baseball, right? And this is where my proposal continues. I think you have two teams from each division in the playoffs. So then even if you have to shut down your division for 14 days because a large number of the players in the division have contracted COVID-19 and you say the best option at this point and you're advised the best option at this point is to shut down the division and restart after it clears out of the division system, and you have to take a 14-day break. Then if you're just playing within the division – you take two teams from the division. You eliminate the wild card completely. Take two teams from each division. So that means six teams from each league, six from the NL, six from the AL, make the playoffs, make a 16 playoff. Then if your division's only playing 50 games, it doesn't matter because you're only competing within your division, right? So th- that's my proposal. I think you only play within your division. You play nowhere else. And, and I would keep that. Give players the 50% of their salary. Go from there, the agreed-upon terms that, that were proposed earlier, and I think that would be my proposal. I would say if you keep them in the division, that's fine. But if you only play in their division, it's going to be hard to determine playoff teams. I feel like if you play only teams in your area, like if you play the NL Central, only plays AL Central and NL Central. Yeah, I, I understand that point. The reason I'm against but I that, see what you mean. The reason I'm against that is because you're making contact with more people then. You're doubling the amount of teams 
that you're making contact with, right? Because the Cubs will play four teams within their division if they're playing in their division. The Dodgers will play four teams in their division. The Sox will play four teams within their division. But then once you expand that and you start playing another division too, you've got five more teams that you're making contact with at different points throughout the year. And that's an issue for me because suddenly there's a much higher chance of you contracting the coronavirus if you're the player. And therefore, I think that's why you shut it down. You keep it within the division. I don't know. That's one way to go about it. Obviously, I still think the proposal as it stands right now, play-wise, I don't find a whole lot of issues with it. If you're playing interleague play, I still think it works. But if we're going all in for that, then I think you keep the the divisions where you just play within your division. Because the goal has to be to stop the spread, right? The goal Absolutely. has to be to contain the virus. And, and so that's where I'm at with that. So aside from the – another thing that's happening in the NFL, though, there's a vote taking – I believe it's taking place tomorrow. It's about minority candidates. So a team would be incentivized to hire a minority candidate for head coach or GM. And I, I, I would be – I'm all for having more – giving more opportunities to minority candidates because it's clear that there are – that if you – white – there are more white GMs, more white coaches – and it's clear that there is a bias. Some teams do have some sort of bias against hiring minority candidates, but I don't think, but personally, I don't think it's right. I think it's the wrong way to go about spread uh, going. I think it's, I think their attempt at giving you a higher draft pick is the wrong way to go at equal making equality. I feel like it's the wrong way. It's the wrong thing to do for the, it's the wrong way to go about getting the right thing done. I guess it's kind of hard to explain, but like, yep. I, I don't know. I don't know if you have any opinion on I that agree one, but with you there. yeah, I, I, I don't totally have a huge opinion equality. on it either. Equality um, needs yeah. to happen, but that's not the right way to go about it. Yep. I, I don't have a huge opinion on it either, but from what I've heard people talking, it, it's probably not the right way to go about it. it. It, it makes it seem like hiring a minority coach puts you at a disadvantage and therefore you need an advantage to in draft picks yeah. because you hired a minority coach when clearly that's, that's not that's true. Not at it's all. false. It's that's wrong. Just bogus. And so I think that's where, where it turns into a bad proposal. And I, I don't think it passes. It, it, it's maybe not the best idea. We'll see what happens with the vote tomorrow, but from what I've heard and my thoughts on it, I, I don't think it passes and we'll see where it goes from there tomorrow. All right, moving on. We were talking about this earlier. NFL award predictions. I said I'm going to bring a little bit of betting odds into this. Adam, you have your choices too. Let's start with offensive rookie of the year. I have a guy whose odds shot up after the NFL draft. He's a running back. He went to the Kansas City Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the Kansas City Chiefs in that offense. I know we'll be sharing carries with Damian Williams who should have won the Super Bowl MVP but didn't because Patrick Mahomes won it, whatever, it's fine. He's going to be sharing carries, but he's in the best offense in football, and he's going to be the starting running back. You don't use a first-round pick on a running back if he's not going to start for you. I think he he shot up. He is the second-best odds right now, betting odds to win offensive rookie of the year. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he is my pick to win it all. I know Joe Burrow is the big favorite. I don't know if he has enough weapons in Cincinnati to compete, especially 
especially after how horrid that offense was last year. So that's why Clyde yeah. Edwards-Hilaire is my guy this year. I'm going to go, if he does start, I'm going to say it's Justin Herbert because he has the best weapons of all the rookie quarterbacks. I don't know if he's going to start. I would say he should because if you wait, if you pick him at six, you, you should probably start the guy. I think he's got obviously got the most weapons of any player. I mean, any every any of the rookie quarterbacks, he's got the best weapons around him for someone who's going to probably end up starting. And I think if he does start, like we all know, he's got like Keenan Allen, he's got Hunter Henry, he's got so many weapons around him, and I don't see why he wouldn't be the favorite if he does start. Now for defense, yeah, I agree with that. He's in quarterback. Co- He's in a quarterback competition with Tyrod Taylor right now, correct? Yes. Or sort of a quarterback competition. I think Tyrod Taylor I mean, is still thinking he's going to be the starter. Who knows? I have still no got clue. a long way to the NFL season. We're just hoping we have football. But still, no. that, that, that's an interesting competition to look at, quarterback so, room to look at. Defensive rookie of the year. Go ahead, Adam. Chase Young. I don't think I need to explain why. Yeah. I've got the same pick. Chase Young, best defensive player in the draft by a lot of metrics. I don't see why he wouldn't win defensive rookie of the year if he performs as high as everybody thinks he's going to perform. I think he's got a great chance of winning the award. He's the on favorite. Chase Young is the pick. Comeback player of the year. I'm going to go with Cam Newton. He's not even signed yet, but I'm going to pick him anyways well, because he's coming it. back. He was hurt last year. He has an MVP award in his back pocket. He can play some really good football I don't think there's anybody who was hurt or can come back other than maybe the guy you picked and J.J. Watt. I don't think there's anybody else that really has a chance of reaching that ceiling that Cam Newton can give you. I don't think he reaches that ceiling, but I think he's enough of a shell of himself that he's able to win that, especially out of the quarterback position. I mean, what's a better position to win it out of other than the quarterback being the helm of a football team? He's going to get signed somewhere at some point. There's going to be a quarterback who goes down. There's going to be a quarterback who gets hurt. He's going to be the starter somewhere at some point this year. And that's why I think Cam Newton is the comeback player of the year. I I wanted to pick him, but because he's not signed, I didn't do it. Now, I'm going to go comeback player of the year. I'm going to say J.J. Watt because obviously he did play half of the season last year and he played in the playoffs, but he played eight games last year. And we all know what happened. He's been hurt a little bit lately, a lot lately. I mean, JJ, we all know what J.J. Watt can do when he's healthy. And if he's healthy, I think he's going to be healthy this year. I think he plays all 16 games. And I think he dominates again. And like you said, Cam Newton has an MVP in his shelf. I think J.J. Watt should have an MVP on his shelf right now. I, don't think, I, think he, I do think he deserved it in 2014 because we've never seen anyone like that. He carried the Texans to – what were they? They made the playoffs. He had a 20 sacks again. I mean, uh, that, that, I'm still I'm actually kind of salty that he didn't win the MVP that year. He totally deserved it. He was one of the best. He was the best player in the NFL that year, and it's not even debatable to me. Yeah, J.J. Well, Watts. I, I, I think he's going to come back and dominate this year. Yeah, J.J. Watts, a guy that has that extremely high ceiling and definitely could be the best defensive player in football, not even just the, best, the comeback player of the year. That, that being said, who will be the best defensive player of football? Moving on, I'm going to go with Khalil Mack from the Chicago Bears. He has the second best odds out of any player. You look at that Bears defense, and they were really good last year, and they were really good the year before, and they got they better this last year. year. They had a lot of injuries last year. They had a ton of injuries last year. Danny Trevathan was hurt at one point. Akeem Hicks. Hicks. 
was out for a prolonged period. You look at that defensive line. I mean, if you have to line up against Hicks, Robert Quinn, who they just signed from the Cowboys, who was insane last year, and now Khalil Mack, too. You're not going to be able to triple-team Khalil Mack like you did last year for your offensive line. For that reason, I think Khalil Mack's going to rack up the sacks. He's going to get some turnovers. He's going to force some fumbles. Khalil Mack is going to be the defensive player of the year this year because the defenses aren't going to be able to give him the same attention because that Bears defense is going to be that good. I think the Bears defense is the best in football this year. And for that reason, the best player on the best defense should win the defensive player of the year award. Khalil Mack's going to win it. We love that. I love that take. Uh, So I'm going to go – we just talked about him. I think defensive player of the year does go to J.J. Watt again. That'd be his fourth one. I believe that would be the most ever. He's I again. I think he's he's hungry for this. He's determined. I think he's. I mean, he comes back. He's going to dominate. He's the if he's healthy. I think he's arguably the best player in football. And I'm not just saying defensive. I think if he's healthy, he's arguably one of the most dominant players in football. You don't just get a couple two a couple twenty sack seasons if you're not that great. If you're not one of the best and. He's and honestly, I think he he could retire right now and he'd be a Hall of Famer. And I think he's going to come back and dominate. Yeah, I don't see why not. Put him at tight end. <laughs> he did it. He, he at that one season, that 2014 season was freaking crazy. JJ Watt, it can be one of the most defensive, best defensive players in football, most dominant players in football. His brother TJ Watt actually has higher odds than him right now of yeah. winning defensive player of the year because TJ Watt too, that whole Watt family. They're dangerous in the NFL. <laughs> look out for TJ. Look out for JJ. I think those are two guys that have great chances of winning defensive player of the year this year. Moving on, offensive player of the year. My pick is Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints wide receiver. He had a historic year last year. He had a great year last year. A lot of seasons he would have won offensive player of the year last year, but he ran into a guy named Christian McCaffrey and then Lamar Jackson had, had his stuff. That's why I think – it, I think it, Michael it, Thomas won it last year. Did Michael Thomas win it last year? Yes, he did, and I don't think he I, – I disagreed with it. I, I highly disagreed with it. You're – yeah, you're right. So Michael Thomas was great last year, but – Repeat, repeat. That's what I'm calling right right now. You have, The reason I got confused, you have, Mike, you have Chris McCaffrey down is who you think is going to win it this year. Is that right, Adam? That's why I, you're saying I, no Michael I Thomas. Think he, I think he goes and gets the award that he deserved last season. I mean, you know, Michael Thomas, there's a lot of people who Michael think Thomas that. Michael is a great receiver, but he's such a slant guy. They do so many slants, and that's what he gets a lot of his catches on. No, no, no disrespect to him. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. But if you're getting targeted a lot like that with one of the best quarterbacks of all time, you should probably be getting a lot of catches. Yep. So Michael Thomas won it last year. I'm calling a repeat. You're saying Christian McCaffrey comes in and should have won it last year. He was the best running back in football last year by a wide bargain. Very few. One of my favorite running backs did with a thousand yards, one hundred receptions. Yeah, Matt, Matt Forte, my guy. (laughs) You you have a pretty bold take saying no, not even a bold take, but you have a take, pretty strong one. Strong feelings towards Matt Forte should be in the Hall of Fame, right? That's my strongest opinion, and I refuse to back down from it. (laughs) I know it's bias. It's a lot of bias in there, but. It's my boldest take, and I'm not backing down from that one. Never going to back down. Yeah. And so for me – oh, did you not pick a coach of the year? What was that? Uh, so for coach of the year, I've got Cliff Kingsbury. Ooh, that, that's a good pick, I feel there's, like, so especially if the, if the Cardinals are able to get there. 
There's seven playoff teams now, and I think they can shock the league and make the playoffs because they're a good team this year. They weren't awful last year, but Kyler Murray is, a, I think, it's his second year. I going on because to MV, I'm going to go on to MVP now. Going on to Kyler Murray, this is really bold. I think he has that Carson Wentz jump, the one that Wentz had in his second year where they won. I don't think they win the Super Bowl, but I think Kyler Murray will break out and explode onto the NFL like a superstar, as a superstar like Carson Wentz did. I think Kyler Murray could win as an underdog and uh, one of one of the guys I would put to win MVP this year, and I'm serious. If, and if he doesn't, I would say it's yeah, Russell Wilson. I think he's got a chance. And I think if, if he doesn't, it's going to be Russell Wilson because he deserves it. And Russell Wilson's yeah. unbelievable. He's never missed a game with one, in his whole career, and he's always had a trash O-line. You look at Kyler Murray, and with DeAndre Hopkins this year, he, he's got a really improved receiver core. I mean, if any receiver core gets DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to be improved. So definitely, I think he's got a good shot. If I was betting right now, Ezekiel Elliott has is plus 7,300 in the odds books for MVP. He's lower in the rankings. I'm taking him all day, every day based on those odds. I think he's got, he's got a good offensive line still. He's going to lead that Cowboys offense. Cowboys have a chance of making the playoffs like they do every year, especially with that core Prescott Cooper and Zeke. I, I wouldn't be surprised. He's the best player on that offense. If Zeke has another thousand yard year, 1500 yard a year, I mean, he could have a huge year this year like he always does he has that potential so I think he's scary I think he could definitely pull off MVP I know it's a little harder to win that award not out of the quarterback position so that's why if I was betting I'm not betting I would take Zeke I'm not betting so I'm gonna take Russell Wilson similar pick to you Adam I think he's finally gonna win that award he he's one of the best quarterbacks in football he's led his team to the playoffs consistently so I gotta go with Russell Wilson yep that's a fair pick so now let's go to our all initial teams I'm ready yeah. for this. So, for All me, right. I'm going to do my MLB. All right. So, my my team for MLB. At first base, I have Albert Pujols. You already know. Alfonso Soriano won because he really – it was really the best second baseman I could find. I, I could have been missing somebody, but, I oh, mean, May isn't the stack. Now, Alfonso Soriano is a great player. But I, love I don't know what second base, if he's your top second base baseman especially based on the guys I, I, I gotta get to pick from I, I'm kind of jealous because there's a lot of really good J second baseman Alfonso Soriano is one of those friends. guys he, he had speed he had power so I, I it's still a good pick I feel like I'm just a little surprised you put him there in second base a couple of my friends have B and M so one of them has Bryce Harper Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds as an outfield <laughs> and one of them is Mar- Manny Ramirez Mike Trout Man- Mickey Mantle as his outfield for M and I'm like what am I? What am I supposed to do with that? And, and one of them has bought, and he has bought my other friend with the B has Bobby Gibson, so like, this is bogus. So my third baseman's Adrian Beltre. I feel like he's underrated. He's a three thousand club. Plus he's a fun dude. We all love Adrian Beltre. And then my shortstop. I know you don't like. You're not gonna like this. Is Alex Rodriguez? You can hate him or not, but he's one of the greatest of all times. It doesn't matter. He's hit almost seven home runs. Unbelievable player. One of the best shortstops of all time in my eyes. And then outfield. It, it wasn't a pretty hard. It wasn't as great for all time as others, but Aaron Judge. I mean, that's what I have. I mean, he's unreal power and he's an amazing fielder. A lot of people don't realize that. I think he's going to continue that. Andrew Jones is one of the best outfielders ever defensively, and then I have Andre Dawson. 
And then for catcher, for the life of me, I could not think of a catcher. It took an hour or so that I was like, who the heck's a good catcher? And then my friend's like, yo, you forget A.J. Brzezinski. And I'm like, oh, right. And I'm like, so, uh, sorry, Angels fans, but so I'll just pick the drop third strike. Uh, if you guys remember that. Uh, I'm going to pick Aaron Nola, another guy I could not think of a great, a super great pitcher for it. So I just took Aaron Nola. I think he's on the rise even after an eh 2019, but he has a lot of potential and he's the ace. And then closer is Aroldis Chapman. I don't think I need to explain that one. I do like your lineup there because I'm now looking lineup. at some stats for some of the guys you have. It's it's a fantastic lineup. It would be a world uh, series contending lineup. We're looking at all time players and all time best. All yep. these lineups are going to be fantastic, yep. but some of I them do are like easy. the Soriano pick. Four hundred home runs, seven time All Star, four Silver Sluggers. So I think he's a good pick there at second base. Uh, defensively, he's he's not going to be very strong, but you know the, the hitting and the speed's going to be there. Rodriguez, Aaron, yeah, that that's a good pick at shortstop. Pujols, that, that's a six hundred home run Hall of Famer. Uh, Beltre, agreed, super underrated. You're you're. Outfield, it's good too. Aaron Nola, that that's where it sort of drops off for me. I don't that's know if Aaron Nola is going to be able of. to contain any of these all-time lineups. Oh no! I, I think I mean, that's your I, toughest I pick right anybody. there. I couldn't think yeah. of anybody. I mean, look at it. Yeah. I mean, just have a roll to Shaman throw three innings like he did did in the playoffs for the Cubs there. Seven, eight, and nine. Hey, and they won. Nola only have to go six for you. They won. That's all that matters. <laughs> All right, let's look at my team. Let's look at the Jays. So, for the Jays, who do we have? So, at first base – no, a catcher. We start with catcher. I'm going to go with Johnny Bench, arguably the best catcher of all time. I looked at Joe Maurer for a little bit because Joe Maurer is extremely underrated, should be in the Hall of Fame. That being said, Johnny Bench pretty much agreed as the best, if not one of the best, catchers of all time first base now this was my toughest pick here i had jeff bagwell in there for a little while i joey Votto. Uh, i was toying with putting him in at first base because he's had a fantastic career he's going to be a hall of famer and then i went in another direction and i went with jackie robinson now i know what you're thinking jackie robinson didn't play a lot of games at first place he played 197 games at first base in his career and 151 we're in his first year in that Major League Baseball and that when he was with Brooklyn. Not a lot of games at first base, but if we're going to count it, he only played a few games there in the scope of his career. I don't really care. He's a Hall of Famer. I'm putting him in at first base. Second base, Joe Morgan, the Hall of Famer and two-time MVP. He's going to be my second baseman. Jimmy Fox at third, three-time MVP, Hall of Famer, triple crown winner, playing in – from 1925 to 1945, he's the guy. If I can get a triple crown winner in my lineup, I'm going to do it. Jose Altuve at shortstop. I know Adam's been in the garbage can. <laughs> I'm okay with that. He's a great shortstop. He's going to go down as a Hall of Famer, maybe. doesn't catch up to him, and if he continues on his current path, he's got a chance at the Hall. I'm going Jose Altuve at shortstop. He's more of a second baseman. Yeah, I moved him over though. Fair enough. <laughs> I know Cray is playing short. I needed. I wanted a shortstop. I wanted to add him in. Oh wait. I already put Jackie Robinson at first because I was. I I had a, too many middle infielders. So I said Altuve is going to play short. He has the arm to do it. 
I know he's a second baseman. It's okay. He's going to play shortstop for now. Now this may be cheating a little bit in the game, moving away from that, the position-specific players, but we're going to do it anyways. Outfield, it's pretty stacked. If we're going players in their prime, I needed to go with Josh Hamilton because of what he was able to do in his prime, leading the league in home runs. He was insane there for a few years. That's why I went with Josh Hamilton. Joe DiMaggio, one of the best players of all time. You got to go with Joe. Where'd you go, Joe DiMaggio? He's my guy. And then Shoeless Joe Jackson was my last one. Now, maybe not one of the best players of all time. Should be regarded pretty highly. He was kicked out of the league at age 32 because of the Black Sox cheating scandal. And I think he still had a few good years in him. Now, he didn't hit a lot of home runs because that's not the game that was played. That's not the style that was played back in the day. But he, he was a fantastic player. I'm going to put Shoeless Joe Jackson in there because I like him in the outfield. Starting pitcher, I got Justin Verlander. I was thinking John Smoltz for a little bit. Leaning Verlander, he has a higher career war. It looks like Verlander's continuing dominance for a few more years at least. That's why I'm going to go with uh, Justin Verlander, JV there. And then my closing pitcher, uh, Joe Nathan. He, he More recent pick, uh, multiple-time all-star Joe Nathan. He's going to close games out for me. And that's what I've got, Adam. All right. I like it. It's probably better than mine. But, you know, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You said you're going to send these games, right? So so we'll find them. I, I'll, I'll have to we'll do it when I get back, when I have my PlayStation near me. It's not near me right now. But I'll right. do it eventually. Sounds good to me. Sweet. NBA, moving on. Who you got yeah, for the NBA, is, Adam? Uh, this, is, this is where my team's pretty. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I got Andre Miller, Allen Iverson, Alex English, Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, and Andre Iguodala. I've got, like, two – I mean, Alex English is really underrated, but, like. Question uh, for you. Andre Iguodala, is he a Hall of Famer? What do you think? I think he's got a chance. He's the best player on a lot of those Sixers teams in the playoffs. I forgot he was on the Sixers. Yeah, and he was um, good on the Sixers. Then he went to Golden State, was a six-man, a key part of, of multiple championships. I think he has an argument. I'm still thinking LeBron should have won that finals MVP, even though they lost, and I'm not even joking. But we can get we can get on that one later. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not sure about that one. But right. on to you. Your team's way better. For my team, at point guard, I've got John Stockton. That, that we saw him a lot last night in the documentary. One of the best passers of all time. And with the rest of my skilled players, we're, we just need him to pass, distribute the ball, find the other guys, because you're gonna see why. James Harden is my shooting guard, Dr. J, representing the team name, the J team. Uh, Julius Irving, uh, he's going to be my small forward. James Worthy's going to line up at the four. Uh, another guy we saw in the documentary because he was a teammate of Michael Jordan's at North Carolina. Joaquin Noah is my center. He's going to contain your Andre Drummond. He was a great defender. He was, I believe, as high as fourth in MVP voting in the prime of his career. He, he was uh, he didn't score a ton, scored a little bit, but he won the uh, defensive player of the year in thirteen. One defensive player of the year, great defensive player, rebound machine. He, he could dish the ball as well. He he had a large strain of triple doubles there uh, in that twenty thirteen season. So I'm gonna go joking, Noah. My sixth man, 
Jimmy Butler. Now, I was having this conversation the other day. Could Jimmy Butler be the most underrated player in the NBA? And I think that's true. You're nodding your head at him. Jimmy Butler has won everywhere he's gone. He was one lucky bounce away, one lucky Kawhi Leonard bounce away from possibly going to the NBA Finals last year instead of the Raptors. And based on the injuries the Warriors had, Jimmy Butler could have had a reign right now had that Kawhi Leonard shot bounced out. He was the key factor on that Sixers team. He was right about the Timberwolves. We can try to say he's a diva. He was right. Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, as we've seen in these coming years, were not going to win in Minnesota because they weren't working towards it. They traded Andrew Wiggins because of that. Not directly because of that, but Andrew Wiggins never developed the way he should. And there's a lot of factors you could point to. And one of them probably is the work ethic, not working to the same work ethic as Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler on the Heat now has been insane. The, the Heat have a chance. If the NBA season continues, based on how they were playing, they, they're one of the best teams in the East. They have a chance to go to the NBA Finals. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out of the East. Now, the Bucks are the best team in the East, but will the Heat have a chance? I think so. They have the defensive capabilities. They have the length. They're one of the few teams with the length and the athleticism to contain the Milwaukee Bucks. And Jimmy Butler is the leader of that team. He's what brought them together. He is the X factor on that team. He's who's going to be taking the last shot on that team. I think Jimmy Butler is one of the most underrated players in the league because he's been right everywhere he's gone. He was right about the Bulls. He was right about the T-Wolves. Jimmy Butler should be my sixth man because he can guard positions one through four at a pretty high level. So that's why I'm going to put Jimmy Butler in as my sixth man, take him as the Jays because I, I think Jimmy Butler is a pretty good player. And now NFL. That was a bit quick. of a rant there. Sorry about and, that. No, but you're good. I agree. <laughs> I get my you. thoughts about Jimmy Bowler out there. I love Jimmy. Why he's my sixth man. Now, NFL, really quickly, because we might want to hurt, because we 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 got a little more time. All right, my quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Easy. Adrian Peterson to my running back, not the Bears one. You know, I'm sure you know what JP we're talking about. Um, Andre Johnson, Anquan Bolden are our receivers, and this is going to get annoying to you, but trust me. I'm taking Tony Gonzalez because his actual name is Anthony, but he goes by Tony, (laughs) but his actual name is Anthony, so that counts. And if you're not going to count that, Antonio Gates, but either way, it's fine. I'm going to count it because I moved Jackie Robinson to first base and Jose Altuve to shortstop instead of their their main position, so so we'll let it go. (laughs) Anthony Gonzalez, there we go. And now I have defense, three defenses players, Aaron Donald, Andre Tippett, and Asante Samuel, so I got a D lineman, I got a, a linebacker, and I've got a corner. And then I'm just taking a kicker because I want to because kickers are cool, and I'm taking the goat, Adam Vinatieri. All right. You got some good picks there. Great picks. I am going to go – my pick for quarterback was pretty easy, Joe Montana. My pick for running back was pretty easy, Jim Brown. My pick for my first receiver was pretty easy, Jerry Rice. I mean, I've got three of the best at their positions. Top five running back of all time. Your quarterback, you had a bunch of options. Obviously, Joe Montana's the obvious, but you could have gone a couple options. Johnny Unitas, John Elway. There's a True. I, I could have gone a, a few lot of. You had a lot of options there. I didn't realize that, but obviously, Joe yeah. Montana's the best one. Jay quarterbacks, we've got them stacked. I, I want Joe Montana because he's the best one. Pretty consensus yes. agreement there that Joe Montana's the best one out of, out of that group. But still, a lot of good quarterbacks, Hall of Famers there. My other receiver, I'm going Julio Jones. Pair him alongside Jerry Rice. Rice is going to have the speed and athleticism. Julio is going to have straight athleticism. That's going to be a pretty unstoppable receiving. Tight end, Jason Witten. 
long-time Cowboys tight end. I couldn't find a lot of Jays better than him at tight end. My defense, I'm going with your guy, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, Sultan a SWAT. He, he's a great defensive player. As you Watt. said, he should have won an MVP award. My other guy is going to be Mean Joe Green from the Pittsburgh Steelers, lining up in the steel curtain. I like Mean Joe Green to pair along J.J. Watt on that defensive line. Good luck blocking that. My last pick, I'm going to go Jack Ham. One Jack Ham because he's a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest outside linebackers of all time, and I picked him because he also has the name of Jack, and I felt if I didn't have – if I had three J teams and I didn't have the name Jack in there and Jack's my name, I wasn't going to – I wasn't going to like it. So and, I went yep. Jack Ham because he's named Jack. There are a couple other guys I could have went with, but still I think a pretty decent pick based on his play, Hall of Famer, great player great linebacker he, he's gonna round out that team pretty well and then my kicker justin tucker one of the greatest kickers of all time Definitely pretty consistent right good team right there i feel like definitely the best right now yeah I, you had a great team i mean that would be a fun matchup jays are stacked you don't realize how many good players there are with the name jay with the first name first letter of their name being jay until until you list them out and we've listed them out here and we've got so that's an exercise we encourage you all to do at home because this is a ton of fun to compare teams with your friends who has a better first name. A little bit of sports debates that, that we can have without the presence of sports. But, yeah, yeah, th- this was fun to do. I'm trying to think of this as we're talking. I'm trying to think of an NHL one, but it's not I, – I can't think of any one. <laughs> I'll have to get myself. All right. So I think that's all we've got for today, unless you've got anything. No, I, I'm good. That's all I've got for today. All right, sweet. So I think that's going to do it for us. This has been the Analytics Association, usually on KCOU 88.1 FM, but in podcast format. Um, I'm Jack Gratt, alongside Adam Rosen. Once again, thank you for joining us. We will have another episode out to you next week. This has been the Analytics Association.